Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Talk the Plank podcast. I am your host, Ashley, or as some of you may know me as EMT underscore Abrams on Twitter, or by my podcast account, which is at Talk the Plank Pod. And today we're going to be talking about the hottest thing in Bucks football right now, and that is the status of defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul. As some of you may not know, Jason Pierre-Paul was determined to have a fracture in his neck and may be out for the entire season. Or he could be back at the uh, end of the season. There's a lot up in the air right now. There's a lot to break down and discuss and a lot of if-ands. But before I go any further, I want to make one thing clear, and that's that the most important thing right now for Jason and for the rest of the Bucks and its fans is that Jason Pierre-Paul makes a full recovery. It's so much bigger than the football, and it doesn't matter whether he plays this season or not. You just want the man to get better. You just want him to be 100% healthy and with no complications, you know, going forward after football or, you know, any of that. But, okay, the first thing we're going to break down is what do the Bucks do if Jason Pierre-Paul is out for the season? And this became something that was kind of striking to me that the moment that the JPP news struck, everybody really kind of lost their minds. Now, keep in mind, JPP was the sack, the double-digit sack breaker for us. He had 12 and a half sacks last season. But I mean, everybody was just throwing the season away. It's over. It's over before it even began. And I, I don't believe that. But the real question was, who's going to take over the defense? You know, after JPP and McCoy, you really have a couple of guys that could step up and be that anchor of the defense, could be that guy who takes over and really makes it their defense. You have guys like Carl Nassib who came on very strong last season. You have Vita Vea. But after that, you have guys like Bo Allen and then a bunch of rookies. So it was really a question of, oh my God, that veteran leadership, who's going to be it? If, if McCoy's not going to be here and JPP is out for the season... What do they do? You know, um, and another question was, would they cut JPP? Would they take, you know, his $14.9 million salary into account? You know, you have a guy who's making nearly $15 million who can't be on the field. And as much of it is, you know, it's upsetting. It's a business at the end of the day, and the Bucks still have to free up money to sign those draft picks. Um, it just becomes a big what-do-you-do situation. Is it worth to have... The guy's still on team for if he does come back. Um, who, what are you going to do in the meantime? You know, you still have, JPP is arguably the biggest threat the Bucks have to any kind of defense. And this is not taking away from any other player in the Bucks defense. But when you're lining up from the Bucks, you're, you get your offense on the field. And you go, okay, we're ready to go. The biggest guy you want to worry about is JPP. McCoy is not far off, in my opinion, but that number one guy is JPP, and it has been JPP since he joined the team. And without him, the Bucks take a huge blow. But because J- before JPP, it was Gerald McCoy who was getting all the double teams. And that's where a lot of the issues for the Bucks and its patch rush began, because they didn't have that second guy that could really, you know, make teams pay for the double team. Now, granted, they have guys like Nassib and Vita Vea and a couple of nice rookies that I think will do a nice job. Bo Allen, who kind of came on a little bit strong at the end of the season last season, but it really became an, oh my God, we don't have that guy. Now, I'm not taking anything away from McCoy. I think McCoy still has it. I think he's vastly underrated, but at this point, 
now it almost seems like if JPP is out for the season and beyond, they have to keep McCoy. It really becomes a no-brainer. They have to keep McCoy if, if JPP is going to be out the whole season. Who else do you have? You have Vita Vea, Carl Nassim, rookie Anthony Johnson, Bo Allen, William Golston, Hakeem Nunez-Roches. Who else am I missing? Um... Yeah, I, I don't know, but, you know, those six guys, who are you really going to fear? I get it. Vita Vea had a nice end of his rookie season, and I'm not taking anything away from him. But my point being is you, you want that veteran guy, for, like, like an Aaron Donald, for example. When you're facing the Rams, who were you afraid of most on that defense? Aaron Donald. And they had Adamic and Sue, who was still a very solid defensive tackle. But you were more afraid of Aaron Donald than anybody because you knew if you gave him the room, he was going to make you pay for it. He was going to make your quarterback pay. He was going to make the running back pay. He was going to make anybody who had that ball pay. And that was now the biggest question for the Bucks is what do they do? I mean, if they were to cut both McCoy and JPP, because I'm just saying. Now, I, I want both these guys on my team. I've been a big fan of JPP even when he was in New York. And I've been a big, big, big Gerald McCoy fan. I think Gerald McCoy still has it. I feel like a lot of fans disrespect him for no reason. It's a big circus when it comes to, to Gerald McCoy. But as much as you want these guys on the team, you have to think of the cap hit. You have to think of, is it worth it? And what do we have on the other defensive side of the ball? Now, there's a couple of defensive ends and defensive tackles that are still open in free agency. You have guys like Ndamukong Sue, who was taken in the same draft as McCoy. You have guys like Muhammad Wilkerson, who, you know, still has it at his age. And you have guys like Ziggy Ansah, who is still in my... I don't know why he's still a free agent. I liked him when he was in Detroit. He's got that motor. He can get his hands up. He can, you know, push you back into the quarterback. You know, those are some solid options the Bucks might have to look into, depending on what happens in the next couple days. JBP has already taken, you know, the x-rays and the, the results back from his CAT scans. He's going to get second opinions, but, you know, what do you do for the time being? You know, the football starts in September, unfortunately, and without JPP, you have a huge glaring hole in the defense. Signing one of these guys wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but it would come at a price. It's, do you keep JPP on injured reserve until next season or whenever he comes back and hope for the best if you keep McCoy? Or do you cut them both? Or do you cut just McCoy? Let's say you keep JPP and you cut McCoy and you use that money to sign your draft picks and maybe sign another lower-end defensive tackle, defensive end to kind of fill another hole in the roster to at least have some depth and get some rotational value in. Do you cut JPP and keep McCoy? You sign your draft picks, you keep McCoy, but then when McCoy, I'm sorry, JPP comes back, if he's able to play again, you know, you're losing one of your best guys. Or do you cut them both, try and sign a couple more defensive tackles, and live with your decision. That would be cutting two Pro Bowl defensive tackles. Now I get it. They're both 30 plus years old. They both had injury issues. But these are the guys that are in the trenches. And that are going to help you win football games. 
Jerry McCoy last season made a couple of huge hits on Cam Newton to seal that game against Carolina. JPP played hurt all year last year. It was, it was even said by Jenna Lane. He was playing injured most of that entire, entire season because he wanted to be on that field. He wanted to win games. He wanted to help change the culture in Tampa Bay. And it just comes down to a really hard decision. At the end of the day, you know, I believe one of them has to go. And I wish it didn't have to be that way, but the Bucks can't afford to keep them both at this point. It just it just now made things even even murkier. You know, we thought for a long time that McCoy was gonna be gone in Tampa and, you know, it was gonna be his last season, but the Bucks have been dragging it out. And I think one of the biggest reasons why they haven't cut him yet is because the Bucks knew of JPP having something wrong with him. Now I don't know if some of you or who of you follow JPP on Instagram, but he had posted something when he got out of the hospital, and it was some kind of quote, and it said, God, use me like you never used me before. It was a Bible quote. And, you know, it kind of made me sit there and go, man, something's going on with JPP. Maybe it's just, you know, he's looking to find himself in a more spiritual way, or is there something more happening with the car crash? And then he deleted everything off his Instagram. And then the news broke. So it's obvious to me that the Bucks were looking to shop McCoy because of his contract, because of the $13 million, because they need to sign these draft picks. And, you know, and the cap space is just so tight because of the way they have their contracts. Now, we have one of the best contract guys in the league. You know, he's made some magic work with some of these contracts. And it's been able to help us lock up some of our, our, our best talents. Mike Evans is locked up until 2022, I believe. You know, Ryan Jensen, one of the best centers in the league, is locked up. Ali Marpet, one of the best centers in the league, is locked up. Donovan um, Smith locked up at left tackle. But you now have this this glaring thing that you have to sign your, your draft picks. So I think that they were ready to move on from McCoy. JPP was going to be their guy. That's also the reason why they didn't they weren't ready to start, you know, rehauling the defensive line yet because they had JPP, they had the young talent, they have guys that have really stepped up. They signed the linebackers that can come off the edge for them. And now that JPP is hurt, it just made everything that much harder. Because if JPP can't go, can you really afford to let McCoy go? Gerald McCoy has one of the fastest get-offs in football. Before that ball is snapped, McCoy is already moving to get past the defender and get to the quarterback and cause pressure and help his teammates around him. He did it before the Bucks even had JPP. Before JPP, it was McCoy and William Golston, McCoy and Chris Baker, McCoy and Robert Ayers. Half of these guys aren't even playing in the league this year. Half of them didn't play last year. So, it just, it comes down to, if you were to get rid of McCoy, when G if JPP is out for the season like they're thinking, or at least he's out until October, November, with rehab, and then he has to get back into football shape, and then he has to get cleared to play. Let's say, let's say JPP comes back in, you know, November. What do you do in the first three months? Can you afford to not have a guy 
who teams know are an issue, who is a problem, and will make them pay if they don't double-team him, or at least have someone chip him off the line, and let your younger guys take over completely? Are they ready to hand the sticks off? Is Vita Vea ready to take that next step to try and be that anchor on the defense? Is Carl Nassib? Bo Allen? William Goslin, I think, has been there the longest besides J. Uh, excuse me, McCoy. So that's what it would come down to. Can you risk cutting McCoy to keep JPP? If you really believe JPP at 30 years old, after a neck injury, after surgery, he's all healed, that he can come back and play football and play football at a high level for you, a high enough level that you can cut, you know, your starting Pro Bowl defensive tackle who's been there through all these years, then, you know, you've got to live with the decision and you've got to make sure that the guys you have on that line, that young defensive core is ready and up to the task because they're not going to, no one's going to take it easy on them just because they have a couple guys gone. Teams are going to look at that defensive line and lick their chops knowing that JPP and McCoy aren't there anymore. At the end of the day, it's really just a double-edged sword. At the end of the day, they're more than likely going to have to cut one of them. And it's going to be hard. You have to make the right decision for not only your franchise, but for these players. Like JPP, is he going to still be able to go? Is he still going to come back and be the same JPP at 31, 32 years old? Is McCoy going to still have it as well? Is he going to be able to hold up? Is he going to have more injury issues? Both of these guys have had injury issues, and it's not their fault. You know, you play in the trenches, you play a game of football, and it's very physical, and stuff happens. If I had to take a stab in the dark and guess who the Bucks might cut, as of right now, at the time of this recording, Tuesday night, with everything we know so far, that JPP would be out at least five to six months if he had to have surgery. Now, keep in mind these things, there's all there's a bunch of different kinds of fractures in the neck. You can have a small fracture, you can have a big fracture, you can have a compound fracture. It could be multiple multiple vertebrae involved, it can be one singular vertebrae, it could be a bunch of things. It could heal by itself as well. There's a lot of different circumstances. A lot of stuff we don't know yet, but I'm just saying, if I had to take a stab in the dark with the circumstances that are happening right now, I think they cut JPP. Simply because the best ability is availability, and the Bucks need a body on the defensive line that is going to cause teams to stop and pay attention to them. This would mean that if, the, if JPP was put on the NFI list, the non-football injury list, that they may not have to pay any of his $14.9 million salary, even though $7.4 million of it was guaranteed as of March 15th. This would mean the Bucks could sign their draft picks. This could mean the Bucks could possibly sign another body or two on the line. And they could, you know, have to live with the decision of not having JPP, who was so good for them last season. But, you know, either way, it's going to be hard. But that's just, if I had to guess right now, like I said, that would be my guess. And it kind of brings up a funny point, you know, at this point, that if that were to happen, McCoy would be, again, the number one guy on the defensive line. You know, kind of like the guy that you feared when you came onto the came onto the field. And it's funny because as soon as the news broke, there were people apologizing to, to Gerald McCoy. And <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen all the posts that have been happening with McCoy. Um, 
he kind of got on Instagram and went on a little bit of a rant. He was upset people kept questioning if he loved the game of football, if he was going to be ready for the season, if he was putting in work, this and that. And a lot of fans, you know, ready to wanted him gone, get this man off my team, McCoy doesn't do anything. But the moment the news broke, people just started apologizing to him, saying, oh, no hard feelings. Well, we have to keep McCoy now, McCoy this, McCoy that. It's like, you didn't respect this man. You didn't want this man here because of his cap space. But the moment it's an inconvenience and the Bucks need him again, you're automatically his number one a fan. And from what I've seen... McCoy's been putting in a hell of a lot of work this offseason. McCoy looks in the best shape of his entire career, probably since he joined in 2012. McCoy looks lean. He looks fast. Every day he posts something of him working out. He looks like he has better balance. Looks like he has faster hands. And it's just funny because where is this slander coming from for a guy who really, you know, held things down for years with little to no help? The man has, what is it, 54 sacks in his career? You don't have to put up numbers like Errol Donald to be, Aaron Donald to be a good player. You don't have to have a billion sacks. You can still make a difference and be a good player by affecting the play of everybody else around him. And that's the biggest, the biggest compliment that McCoy is, is he makes his entire defensive line better. He takes away some of that, that extra pressure that would be there if he wasn't there. He can absorb the, the double teams and open up somebody like JPP last season like he did, like Carl Nassib, like Bo Allen, like Vita Vega. And it just it blows my mind, some of these fans, how fickle they are and how fair weather they are. And I think McCoy, you know, at this point in time, is really going to see, you know, if he, if he is the one who stays... I really think that he's going to shut everybody up and make them regret saying what they have said about McCoy, that he's slow, he doesn't want to be here, he dances on the sideline, he can't make a tackle, he doesn't get sacks, he doesn't show up. If you've actually watched the film, he's there more than anybody, not more than anybody else, but he's around that ball, making a difference every single play. A lot of the Bucks' misfortune on the defensive side of the ball has always been coaching. Think about it. You guys have, like, Mike Smith, you have guys 10 yards off the ball. You have Dirk Cutter, who didn't want to put some of his best rookies in. He never developed any of them. There's just been a lot of horrible coaching in Tampa Bay. And I feel like with this new coaching staff, guys like Gerald McCoy, guys like Noah Spence, who we're going to get to in a minute, can really revamp their careers. Now, now that I just mentioned Noah Spence, let's take a second and really dive into if JPP is gone. Where would the Bucks be if they didn't sign those linebackers in free agency and revamp their secondary? Because think about this. The Bucks had no linebacker depth. I mean, none. It was Levante David, Kevin Minter, and uh, that's about it. Now they have their two starters. They got Levante David and they got Devin White. They have two guys that can go on the edge and Shaq Barrett and Deion Buchanan. They have the extra depth now. They have those extra bodies. And now Noah Spence comes in the mix. Noah Spence is a guy who can go on the edge and create pressure and come in for sacks. Noah Spence, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, and Devin White, and all the rest of the linebackers really now have a huge role in the defense. Because 
JPP is going to be out for at least a couple weeks, if not a couple months, if not the whole season, if not his whole career, depending on what happens with these scans, depending on what happens if he needs surgery or not. These guys are going to be the heart and soul of the defense. And Todd Bowles is the perfect fit. Having Todd Bowles in and having that aggressive mentality is going to save the Buccaneers when it comes to having the next man up mentality. You have guys like Shaq Barrett who is behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. He knows how to get after the quarterback. When he's had his opportunities, he's made the most of them. Levante Davis is one of the best blitzing linebackers in the league. Hasn't had that much of a chance because of the coaching, but he can get it done. Devin White is just blazing fast. He can get to the quarterback. He can drop back in coverage. Those guys are going to have such a huge part, such a huge rotation now when it comes to the defense because you're going to have to use these guys on the edge. You're going to have to use at least one of them, if not two or three or all of them during the game to create pressure. They're going to need the extra bodies. So let's just say you have... Let's, let's keep McCoy in this instance. We have McCoy, Vita Vea, Carl Nassib, and Shaq Barrett. A four-man front. Or if you have a five-man front, McCoy, Vita Vea, Carl Nassib, Bo Allen, and Shaq Barrett, or Dan Buchanan. You're going to have to use these guys who have that bend, the big body, and the speed to get to the quarterback. You're going to see a lot more blitzes. You're going to see a lot more, you know, just massive, massive bodies out on the field to try and make up for this loss. And what if the Bucks didn't revamp their secondary? A lot of people, the moment JPP News came out, was, quote, we should have taken Josh Allen, Jason Light is an idiot. I'm sorry, do you want Ryan Smith to be covering the number one wide receiver? I think we tried that with Julio Jones, and how did that work out? I'm pretty sure he put up 300 yards on us. You can't have that happen. The Bucks did not have guys fast enough or big enough to cover the wide receivers. Brent Grimes is gone, and rightfully so. He still doesn't have a contract to this day, and that makes me smile. But you have guys like Carlton Davis who are now going to get a chance to play press. You have guys like Vernon Hargraves who really turned it on before he got hurt that can play press. But now you have a big, fast corner like Jamel Dean. A big, fast corner in Sean Murphy Bunting. These guys are going to be big, big parts of the game plan. They have guys like Mike Edwards now who can play a little bit of corner if need be. Mike Edwards can come on a safety blitz. All of these guys now, their picks become even bigger hits in my opinion. Everyone said, oh my god, the fact they didn't take any defensive ends until the fifth round or fourth round makes this draft look absolutely terrible. And it doesn't, in my opinion. You needed that. You needed to revamp your secondary. You had to replace Brent Grimes. You had to at least find one guy who can go out there and do that. You needed more depth with Chris Conte gone. Chris Conte is gone and you have two very young guys and Justin Evans and Jordan Whitehead that need at least one more body out there. Todd Bowles has said he comes out and is not with seven defensive backs in some cases. You're going to need the extra bodies. You're going to need the depth. These guys are going to get tired if you don't. These draft picks, though, unfortunately, are really going to have to step it up. They're going to have some tough, tough tasks. The, pl- the teams and the players that these Bucks are going to be playing this season 
especially on the five-game road trip, it's going to be hard. They're going to be tested and tested early. Week one, they have some of the fastest receivers on the 49ers now. You have guys that can get it down the field. They have George Kittle, who is literally O.J. Howard 2.0. You're going to be facing guys like the Seahawks and Tyler Lockett. You're going to be facing Michael Thomas twice a year. You're going to be facing Julio Jones twice a year. It's gonna, it's gonna be a bit of a learning curve. I'm not saying these guys are gonna come out and be absolute superstars coming out of the gate, but these picks still hold true even with the JPP hit. Sure, they could have taken a defensive end or defensive tackle early, but they needed a linebacker. And I will continue to preach this until people get it through their heads that if they didn't have White, they'd be in more trouble right now if JPP went down. Because sure, you can add Shaq Barrett and Dayon Buchanan. I think they're both going to be really big for this defense. But having a guy as fast as Devin White be able to drop back in coverage and cover these big, fast tight ends that are like O.J. Howard and George Kittle and Zach Ertz and Eric Ebron, who we, we play Eric Ebron this year. We play George Kittle this year. They're going to be big, fast, physical tight ends who are basically... A bigger wide receiver, a bigger body wide receiver who can run almost just as fast. Without Devin White, the Bucks would be in trouble. And without JPP, the Bucks are going to struggle. It's not and not a lie. But you know, it's it's gonna be rough. But these draft picks now make more sense in my opinion. And I know people are gonna disagree with that, and that's okay. We're all entitled to opinions. But I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on Anthony Nelson, the guy out of Iowa, the fourth round pick. I think he and Carl Nassib are really going to be the two guys that really impose their will on defense with their size. You have a guy like Vita Vea who we've seen how strong he is. He is an absolute an absolute unit. He was bowling over all pro and pro bowl offensive linemen last season. He finally was able to start getting off his blocks. He is persistent and will chase you down from behind. He doesn't give up on plays. But now you have two almost identical defensive linemen, in, in, uh, or linebackers even, in Carl Nassib and Anthony Nelson, who are six foot seven, 270 pounds, and run 4.84s. They're fast, they're agile, and they're big and lengthy and get their hands on you. You have those guys opposite of each other, and they're really going to make some things happen. So, and they also have Terry Beckner, who, like I said, is really going to be, I think, a surprising, a surprising guy for the Bucks this season. He has an issue with his knees, and he was injured, and but he really still made some noise happen. It's going to be interesting to see who the Bucks sign off of their their training camp and their mini camp, and you know all that. But these draft picks are really going to have some pressure put on them now. They have to show up, and they have to show out, and. Not only is there going to be more pressure on the defensive side of the ball, JPP being gone really puts some pressure on the offense. And you might ask yourself, what do you mean? They're they're on the other side of the ball. They don't even see each other. They don't even play together. Well, you know, the more points the offense can score, the less time the defense has to be on the field. And sure, you can strike quickly. You know, you only have to have two or three plays before you can score. But if the Bucks can eat clock and score and keep possession of the ball longer and really grind out these games and just score at their own will like Bruce Arians wants, if they can score the 30-plus points a game like Bruce Arians wants, they are really going to help out this defense. 
because last season one of the biggest problems was the defense was constantly on the field. You had guys halfway through the third quarter absolutely gassed. Couldn't keep up with their receivers, couldn't get the pass rush they needed, couldn't get anything going because of how exhausted they were. They were constantly getting outplayed and out, you know, outmaneuvered by these other teams. The time of possession would be three to one or, or half of what the Bucks had. They would be, you know, out there constantly trying to stop these high-powered offenses with these, you know, in, insane athletes, and they couldn't do it. So Jameis, O.J. Howard, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin are really going to have to step up this season. The Bucks have got to find a run game. If the Bucks can't find a run game this season, they're in trouble. They have got to help out this defense until JPP comes back. Or if he comes back at all. Without JPP in the starting lineup in week one and week however many games he's out, if not all of them, the Bucks are going to have to find a way to keep themselves the offense on the field as much as possible. Even if they draw out a long drive, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have an 80-yard bomb every single drive. It'd be fun. I would enjoy that, but you don't have to. You need to have long, methodical drives, or at least drives that end in some kind of positivity. Let's say your defense just gives up, you know, a 10-play, 78-yard drive. They're gassed. They're exhausted. They're tired. You can't afford to go forward and out, three and out. You can't afford to turn over that quickly. You can't only take a minute off the clock and expect these guys to continuously save you. And that was what that was what happened towards the end of the season. As the offensive line broke down, as the injuries started, as the uncertainty started, a lot of the guys were getting gassed too easily and the defense was slowly starting to break down. And that's where these depth signings are really going to help because they didn't have the bodies that could interchange out for these guys. They were constantly down a man and constantly had to have guys play more snaps than they, they needed to. You had guys that were gassed but couldn't take them out because you didn't have extra guys. You did not have guys there. Injury bug is a horrible thing, like I said in the last podcast, and the injury bug is already starting to bite the Bucks in May. It is May 7th, and the Bucks already have one of their biggest defensive defensive power man down he's down he's out for the count for right now we don't know how bad it is but it, it is a whole it's not a just next man up it's a whole team menta- mentality of okay our leader is down who's gonna step up who's gonna take over who's gonna help this team win football games and i think the bucks have the personnel to do it but i just don't think i just don't believe they can let mccoy go at this point and as much as I want JPP here, it's just going to take a lot for them to keep both. But at the end of the day, I don't get to make that decision. It's just my opinion. I just think the Bucks need to bring in somebody else to help out. If they can't keep McCoy, if they really want JPP, they have to sign somebody else like Ziggy Ansah, Ndamukong Sue, or even Muhammad Wilkerson. Now, realistically, McCoy's contract is only $13.5 million. I think we need at least nine to sign all their draft picks. So you cut McCoy, you have 13.5 mil, plus the two mil that they have already saved, or is it 1.5 mil they have um, already in cap space. You have about 15, 14 and a half, 15 mil. You sign your draft picks, and the only guy, in my opinion, that they can really sign out of those three that I listed, Sue wants to get paid. There's a reason why Sue hasn't got paid. It's because his reduction has been down. Um, he's not going to make the type of money he wants. I don't think he's going to take that drastic of a cut just to play football. 
but I feel like the Bucks, if they worked it out somehow where they made like a signing bonus, they had more guaranteed money next year. They could land someone like Ziggy Ansa, who I've been trying to get, you know, who I've vouched for since the offseason. He brings, you know, that veteran presence. He brings that size, the speed, and the hands. The Bucks need to have an extra guy to help out while JPP is out. If JPP, if they, if the Bucks believe JPP can come back, I think they take him over McCoy. I think they lean on their young guys, and you know they live with it. And but they try to bring another body in, or someone, something, someone will be brought in to help out these young guys. A cheaper guy. It might not even be any of the guys I listed. It could be a smaller name guy. They give a shot, but. If the Bucks believe in JPP coming back, I think they take him over McCoy. It'll be, like I said, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting couple days. But I think a decision will be made by the end of the week, if not in the next couple days. Um, I think the Bucks will know where they stand and what they need to do by Friday, because the season's coming soon. It's May. I get it. You have June, July, but August starts preseason. You're going to need to know. Who's going to be there week one and, and soon? The Bucks don't have a lot of time. This came at of the worst possible time for the Bucks because now they have the biggest question mark they've had in years, and it's who do they choose to stay on the team? Like I said, if JPP, if it's as bad as they think it is, or as bad as they had first made it out to be where he needs surgery and you know he may not want to come back after a surgery like that because it's just too risky neck injuries are not something to play with i myself have a neck injury after an car accident not as severe but you know i still have issues with mine or do you know if he does come back can you wait that long you're in a win now mode and jpp was your most productive guy mccoy still has it but are you going to keep him or are you going to keep JPP? And if you cut, say neither of them, you cut them both, who are you going to bring in to fill the gap? So it's definitely going to be a couple of interesting days at one buck and around the league as we learn more. Um, obviously, like I said, this could be catastrophic. This could be huge. This could change a lot of things that the Bucks do. But I think that it's not the end of the season. It's May. A lot of people will react, overreacting. Um, but I do think a decision has to be made. I do think McCoy can get it done. I think the young guys could also get it done. It's just, who do you have? Where do you put your loyalty? Where do you stop your loyalty of being a buck? And where do you start thinking about the future? Because it's not just this season. You have to think beyond week one and week 16 of the season. You got to think of the future as well. Both of these guys are getting up there in age. So I guess it'll be interesting to see. But alright, that's all I got for today. Um, hopefully I've given you something to mull over and think about, but we'll see what happens. Alright, until next time.